0: Hey everybody, it's your buddy Jack. Hope this podcast finds you doing well today. Uh, today is a Tuesday. Yeah, today is a Tuesday. Um, so I made it through Monday. That's what that means. <clears throat> That's kind of funny. I hope you're having a good day, or again, have had a good day, right? I never know what time of the day um, my listeners are on. So if it's morning, good morning. And I uh, hope you do have a blessed day, and if it's the end of the day, I hope you have a good evening um, and sweet dreams, right? Anyway, I hope you had a blessed day. Um, things are good. Things are really good. I'm going to kind of stick to this topic of uh, um, uh, depression because it came to light that there is, um, there's been a little bit of a shift um, in how People perceive the topic of mental health issues or mental illness right it's kind of a it's kind of a good thing I believe it's a good thing right because mental health issues do impact just about everything we do in life right if you're feeling down the dumps depressed or you got high anxiety you don't feel like going to a movie to dinner we're hanging out with the family members or friends. It just sort of messes up your feng shui, right? So real quick, don't forget to hit that support button. I appreciate anything and everything that you feel led to contribute. It is a big help, and um, I can consider it all or count it all a blessing, right? Helps me maintain my computer stuff and mic stuff, right? It's always good. It's always good. So um, no matter the amount, I am grateful, right? And as I've said before, um, if right now, if you're a prayer, a person who prays, uh, and that's what you've got to offer me, I am okay with that too. I, I encourage it, actually. Please keep this podcasting with thoughts and prayers. Say amen. It's always a good thing. And don't forget to hit that message button too, right? I get some really good feedback. I enjoy conversation. I like talking about these topics more than the time that I have allotted for each podcast, right? Start a conversation with me. Maybe you can share a point of view that I didn't mention in my podcast, or maybe you've had a different experience um, than mine, and you would like to share that point of view. I am game. I enjoy those kinds of conversations, right? All I've got to go on are my own experiences um, when dealing with my own mental health issues, right? My own substance abuse issues and dealing um, with those things from a personal level and a professional level. As some of you know, I've worked in the mental health field and addictions field for quite a long time. I think I got my first job in in, the, in a mental health hospital in 1991. kind of tells you about how long I've been sort of plugged into um, this field it's kind of it's kind of cool I enjoy it right there's been some bumps in the road along the way there's been some times where I wasn't working in the field I was doing something else right Um, but it always seemed to go back I've always seemed to be drawn towards mental health treatment and addiction treatment Um, that's sort of my niche I guess if anybody's gonna uh, suggest that I find my niche maybe that's what it is uh, because I'm uh, still doing that type of work today right that's a blessing that's a blessing so on and off we have discussed ways one may struggle with their depression and how it may how it may be hard to deal with while managing a relationship right But it's changing, right? It sort of has always been that way, that marriages struggle with this stuff. Is it easier to be open about this kind of stuff these days, right? Because mental health issues have been around since the dawn of time and they haven't gone anywhere right i would suspect that with the way things have gone on in this world in this country and other countries today recently the last i don't know decade or so maybe mental health issues are have progressed some i don't know maybe another topic right but is it easier to talk about these things these days And if so, does that make it any more easier to discuss and manage in a relationship? Right? If on an individual basis you're able to talk about this kind of stuff more openly than we did, say, a decade or two ago, then is it easier to manage these mental health struggles in a relationship? That that specifically I'm kind of on the fence about only because I have worked with young couples in recent years, right? So I kind of get a distorted view of what that may look like. But is it possible? Have we grown as a people when it comes to being willing to acknowledge that there is depression in relationships? Could be. I personally do believe That over time, right, maybe just over the last decade or so, we have improved overall. Sure. Um, As I've pointed out in other podcasts, there are still those stubborn few that are not willing to be understanding or empathic when it comes to a partner or family member who is dealing with mental health issues. Right, but you know what? If that is going to be the only barrier and the rest of society is starting to come around, that's okay. Not okay, but that's okay. Right? At least it uh, uh, um, is a little closer to leveling the the playing field. Luckily, we have come a long way. Research and treatment have also gotten better. Oh, that's a good thing. Dealing with and overcoming the stigma has improved fewer and fewer spouses as well are being stressed or too stressed or embarrassed by their struggling partner, which means there are more and more spouses, right, that are becoming a little more aware, I would say. We're still not in the perfect world, no, when it comes to this, but I think that this generation of couples, the last ten years, fifteen years, maybe, they seem to be. And this is just based on also my work experience. They seem to be a little more willing to talk about it. Hmm. Fewer and fewer spouses, as well, are are being stressed or embarrassed by their struggling partner. Whew, man, thank God for that, because young couples, you already have. So many stressors coming at you this time, this day, and time to not be able to filter that through some—I don't know—if it's just a friend that you talk to to sort of process your stressors, or if you're in full-blown therapy. Right? It seems like you guys are a little more willing to talk about it. Hmm. So, but the stigma still lingers. Although we have gotten better, overcoming the stigma is still a battle for many. Mental illness-related stigma not only exists in the public, but also in the healthcare system. And why that is still true today, I do not know. Hmm. Healthcare providers who have stigmatizing attitudes or behaviors might be thought of as a key barrier to mental health service issue and influence the quality of healthcare. Although communicably um, people or projects or entities have been conducted to reduce stigma, right? Everybody does all these trainings and so all of this stuff is discussed and all those trainings i know because i've sat in a bunch of them And know a lot of the times when we're on this topic we are instructed on ways to reduce stigma related issues when it comes to mental health among health care providers around the world little is known about whether the attitudes of health care providers towards mental illness has changed over time who knows who knows Research on this topic is mixed with respect to whether attitudes of healthcare providers towards mental illness have become more or less positive. Well, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, surely, overall, when it comes to health care providers, it's gotten better. I do know that there are a few doctors out there, only just based on what some patients have reported to me or my clients have reported to me. Um, That they do get treated a little bit differently um, when they're talking about their mental health issues or addiction issues. Um, And I don't know what the deal is. I I know I get it with addiction issues. Sometimes some doctors get a feel that you may be drug seeking. Right. But I have my own theory on that or my own opinion. Because I truly feel that although people are dealing with addiction issues. That doesn't mean they're to suffer, right? That doesn't, that shouldn't exempt them from appropriate, accurate healthcare just because they're in recovery. Mm. Okay. That's all I'm gonna say about that, (laughs) right? Because I kind of have a feeling that that happens quite, quite often. Research on this topic is mixed as i said mental illness related stigma is a focus on global public health problems to challenge stigma associated with mental illness the world psychiatric association constructed a global program known as open the doors that's a pretty cool title that's a pretty cool title for a program open the doors it was created to fight the stigma and discrimination of mental illness. Oh, that's so cool. That is so cool. And that was uh, um, created in 1996. Many countries have also conducted mental health campaigns. For example, the Australian campaign is called Beyond Blue, was established to address depression related issues and promote awareness among the community. That's incredible. A national campaign called Time to Change, I love that title too, which aimed to reduce stigma and discrimination against people with mental health disorders, was launched in 2009 in England. Man, we're getting around the world, right? Australia, England. I hope I got listeners there. I think I do, actually. The German campaign, Nuremberg Alliance. I hope I'm saying that right. Looks like it's spelled N U R E M B E R G, Nuremberg Alliance. Hmm. So, this campaign is called Nuremberg Alliance Against Depression. It was an uh, intervention program to increase awareness among the public. Wow. Time trend studies have evaluated the effects on attitudes toward people with mental illness among the public and the inconsistent results. Have been found which evidence of is positive that's good i don't know why they would say they were inconsistent uh, Maybe there's different variables that they didn't report here i guess but at least the outcome was positive right that is good news if more and more people around the world are starting to get it shouldn't we all it amazes me that we can speak freely on tv commercials about Vaginal or a penile dysfunction, um, or issues related to those, and and we're still—I don't know—we'll still cruise right by a mental health medication commercial. It, it's like sweep it on by. Let's just real quickly talk about what it does and the symptoms, and maybe uh, um, some of the other things that you know side effects and. Let's end it. I don't know. Maybe that's just how I feel about those commercials. Right? Now that there's anything wrong, let me say this. Now there's anything wrong with discussing those other issues, too. They're very real issues. But so is a depressed spouse or partner who's suffering in silence that should be just as important. We have matured as people in regards to mental health. Please speak up. Right? If my last statement was about you suffering in silence, please speak up right over and over again. If you have, um, if you have to speak up over and over again, because yes there is still room for improvement i know i'm talking about how much things have improved but there are still a long way to go still a long way to go stigmatizing attitudes are not only confer, uh, confined to the public but are also prevalent prevalent among health care providers as i've talked about a commu- um we're talking about some of the evidence, right? Some evidence reveals that many people with mental illness report that they have these issues to their health care providers. Working on both mental health uh, or both mental and physical health services, you know, sometimes wires get crossed, information gets, you know, but it's an important source for some reason, health care providers are still an important source of stigma and discrimination in many countries worldwide. Mental illness related stigma within the healthcare system and among other healthcare providers has been identified as a major barrier to treatment and recovery, as well as a significant source of poor quality of physical care for persons with mental illness. In other words, Stigmatizing attitudes or behaviors by healthcare providers have the potential to lead to a lack of attention to patients' medical needs, mismanagement of patients with mental illness, and even social marginalization. Minimizing That's what that sounds like to me. Mental health has been transformed over the last several years, which is sort of more towards my point. Mental health has been transformed over the last 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. They have, there have been so many changes. The closure of the old asylums, moving care into the community, The increasing, the use of talk therapies, that's a big deal too. They have all had a hugely positive impact on patients and mental health care. Boy, that's so good. That is so good. I remember time even as far back as the 90s. It seemed like, Patients just stayed and stayed and stayed and stayed. And it's like they were not really working towards moving them forward to any degree. I get there are some mental health patients that are out there that are severely sick. And they may not ever get out of the system, right? But I know there are a few that would if they were just given the opportunity to, right? If they were just given the opportunity to, I think we shall have room to make great, great changes. And then I I hope that we do, right? I hope that we do. I enjoy my job. I work for um, the state hospital, mental health hospital and I feel like I'm able to do great things. Not, you know, and and I work more on the mental health side nowadays um, than on the addiction heavy side, right? Um, Although, with my job, both apply. And um, I love it. I love it. It's good stuff that we're seeing some change slowly but surely. And I really, really love that. This information talks about how as a people, we've gotten better about talking about mental health issues, right? I know I've talked about it in in, in how the, the, the consequences when keeping it hush hush in a relationship only adds to or compiles the stress. Right. We've talked about that stubborn spouse who's not willing to openly talk about their partner's mental health issues. Are not even quite sure that they feel like it is an issue. Right. So maybe, again, as I'm talking about some of the changes that have occurred over the years, maybe this is something that we could take from younger couples today. Right? Maybe it's something we could take from younger couples today. We've talked about how mental health has transformed over years. There have been many changes, the closure of all these places, right? And being able to get these people with mental health issues treated better or more appropriately or more accurately is another thing that helps. One major change has been the shift in society's attitude. People are becoming more accepting of mental health problems and more supportive of people with issues. There are more, they are more aware of common mental disorders such as depression or anxiety, and are more willing to talk to healthcare professionals and more willing to seek treatment. That's a good thing. On the other end of the spectrum, patients who have experienced childhood trauma are more confident in talking about it. They're willing to be open about it, and society is more aware of its potential causes with parents, school teachers, and safeguarding leads, right, looks out for signs of abuse. All of these things are coming together that hopefully make it easier for people to talk about how they're feeling, right? Hopefully, this may reduce the number of cases in the future. Hopefully, it'll reduce the number of untreated cases. In the future, we can only keep getting better. There's still lots of room for improvement, right? Digitally, I think the most important innovation in mental health has been shared records and the drive to connect uh, up different clinical systems. I don't know why that's only been over the last decade or so, that this has really become a thing. I've seen this develop over the last 10 years and it has helped bring mental health into the mainstream. Because it's crazy that some people would have a primary care physician, right? Maybe a social worker, a mental health counselor, then they would be connected to a psychiatrist, psychologist, uh, if they need another person that maybe can help um, diagnose mental health-wise um, and, and treat with those medications. So you got somebody dealing with medical side of stuff and um, maybe di- um, diagnosing medical things and uh, prescribing those types of medications, right? So you got this small ring of people, two, three, four people that are this particular person's should be wraparound services. But there was a time in, in a day where these none of these people communicated. Nobody talked. So if one doctor started one medication and the other doctor started another one, and all of a sudden there's some sort of a something, right? Because some medications don't play well with each other. But since one doctor can't talk to the other, they don't know. They don't know. And so... In a lot of these cases, even these two entities, mental health and medical professional, are starting to come together. They started coming together so that we can better treat people without or at least reducing those kinds of hiccups, right? We can now see correspondence from the neurologist, right, to the primary care physician, uh, to the psychiatrist. It's a good thing. So it's much more of a shared working environment and there is much better communication between these different specialties this really impacts a a person's care right now however one of the business biggest technological challenges we face in mental health at the moment is lack of data mental health isn't blessed with large research budget budgets which I wish and hope and pray that that will increase more over time as well. If we can power up studies by looking at even bigger comparative data, right, then we can hopefully jump forward in our understanding of mental health problems. Man, I think that even though there are so many things that we know and understand about the brain, there's probably ten times that much stuff that we don't know still, right? I really feel that this, um, this all has contributed to how young people, younger couples, are able to speak a little more freely about their mental health issues. For so many years, it was a topic that was swept under the rug, and talked about, and not talked about outside the home. So many lives, mm, so many lives, so many relationships could have been saved or restored if we were just able to talk about it more openly years ago. I know that things have changed, some because I work in the field, as I said, right? And I do. I feel blessed about working in the field. Um, I've worked in addiction treatment. I've worked in mental health treatment right I used to uh, or I used to there would be just the main source of treatment this is another thing that's changed it was the mental health providers it was the drug addiction treatment centers right main source of treatment and then those two entities with their patients would share uh, um, one, two, three, maybe a handful of referral referral resources to follow up on when they leave that treatment episode, right? So they were made for the patient to follow up on on their own. That's where the very subtle problem lies. It's the gap. They were left to follow up on these referrals on their own. And that's where the ball would tend to get dropped. Some people with depression and anxiety or some degree of panic disorder, they don't want to go to a doctor's office and sit in a group of a bunch of people waiting their turn. Right? They don't want to go sit in a, in a uh, support group with a bunch of people knowing that their turn to say something is coming around right so now several entities employ this person i'm fixing to talk about that this person is called a peer recovery support specialist or there's a recovery support peer specialist or you might even find somebody who's called a mental health peer specialist these people that do this work were developed to fill in the very gaps that I'm talking about. They're there to be a mentor, an advocate for those getting out of treatment. They help them with the follow through. They go to doctor's visits, they go to meetings with them. Right? That way there's somebody there that's supportive through the transitional time. 28 day residential. We would discharge somebody, send them off the curb, and wish them well. And people used to wonder why there's such a revolving door in recovery treatment. It's because that person went to two meetings, maybe three, really didn't get their anxiety looked at because we weren't sharing information. Right? They sat in a meeting two or three times with super high anxiety climbing. The longer they sat there, and they bolted out of the meeting, only to not return didn't talk to nobody so nobody knows who they are right and they don't go back so then they're left for a few days to deal with that anxiety their uh, depression or said panic issue on their own right so then they start off slow again maybe do a little bit of drinking maybe a little pot right but then the progression starts and you know it's not long before they're right back in treatment Hopefully, with one of these peer specialist type people, we can fill in those gaps, get them a mentor to follow them around, not stalking them, but doing things with them, right? Not for them, but with them to be an advocate. It's a good thing. Young people's mental health has suffered, especially during this pandemic time the last couple of years, but they also seem to be more comfortable talking about their mental health hmm strangest thing they're more willing and more comfortable to talk about their mental health and seeking the help they need for it maybe you're on to something gen z right now you could just get rid of some of the entitlement that some of your generation has (coughs) Ah, that's a whole other podcast (laughs) But that's something that you can give to the older generation, right? We can see how comfortable you are about talking about it and and seeking the help. Maybe this is something again we can learn from you younger couples. Gen Z, I heard, I said that a second ago. It refers to the generation born roughly between the years 1997 and 2012. That's the little group that they're calling Gen Z. They are the first generation to be completely raised. With the internet and smartphones and have grown up with a very different experience of the world than previous generations especially or specifically they are interconnected globally with a diverse range of people and largely communicate through technology and social media this generation of over 60 million people in the United States is slowly starting to face real-world challenges like paying for school, finding a job, and managing stress of daily life as an adult. Right? Because some of you now are still in your mid-20s, I guess. This raises the question, how is Gen Z handling their mental health compared to previous generations. They have grown up in tumultuous times that have included multiple stressors, such as 9-11. You were really young then, but some of you. But there was 9-11, there's school shootings, climate change, that's a hot topic, right? And political untrust, definitely a hot topic. But this generation has consistently proven itself to be one of the, oh, more openly, the one that more openly speaks about their mental health. Isn't that crazy? That is just so incredible to me that most of this generation, Gen Z, is willing to openly discuss how they're feeling. It's amazing. It's amazing. Because that means they stay on top of what their thoughts, feelings, and emotions are sure. Sometimes we make fun of them about being a little bit hypersensitive, right? Because back in the day we had to rough it, and you just did what you had to do despite what you were thinking and feeling. But then we younger older generation would tend to take that home. So no, we didn't talk about it to our doctor, we didn't talk about it to our boss, we didn't talk about it to our buddies. We didn't talk about it to our neighbor, all the frustration and and, um, anger we might be feeling. But we were sure quick to take it home and take it out on our spouses. That's what happens when you try to bottle it up. It builds pressure. Gen Z, good for you. Speak up. As younger couples, you're already having probably more issues as a couple... Dealing with life on life's terms as it is. Don't let your thoughts, feelings, and emotions dictate how you're going to treat each other. Right? Okay, check this out. In a report released by the American Psychiatric Association entitled, Stress in America, Gen Z, this was in October 2019, Gen Z were more likely... To have received treatment or gone to therapy, 37%, compared to millennials, 35%, Gen X's, 26%, and baby boomers, 22%, and the silent generation, 15%. I wish I would have uh, noticed uh, um, the age. Um, brackets, the, you know, I book in the ages on each one of those, Um, but you can see that from the silent generation, it has slowly increased. Baby boomers, 22%. Then Gen X, I think that's uh, uh, me, 26%. Millennials, 35%. And then... Gen Z, a little better at 37%, more willing to talk about their thoughts, feelings, and emotions. Furthermore, Gen Z uh, were more likely to report their mental health as fair or poor on a 20%, 27%, compared to those older counterpart generations, namely millennials, at 15%. So they were more likely to report it. You guys in this generation now are more likely to report it. I got some of these statistics from uh, VeryWellMind.com. The reason for this trend of increased use of mental health services and reporting mental health uh, being poor is (coughs) is likely threefold there's three points life was introduced a different variety of stressors right life has for you guys introduced a different variety of stressors leading to increased psychological concerns and more need for services of mental health right (coughs) and maybe that's true maybe life the world was different when you were born Right as I mentioned before, I, I, things were just severe. Things were just starting to become—I hate to use the word—normal. But I, are we becoming more desensitized since 9/11 and those gun shootings and all the other things I mentioned? Gen Z, boy, you guys—you guys had to come out fighting right and it looks like based on some of these statistics you're taking that into your relationships that's a good thing here's another one awareness of mental health issues has grown that's true too more and more as we've talked about it there's more and more awareness just because of that alone so that um once might have been those things that might once might have been ignored is recognized as a problem now and treated as such and the third point was The stigma I talked about a while ago, the stigma around using mental health services has lessened, making it more likely that Gen Z will identify their own issues and seek help when they feel they have a mental health problem that can be treated. Man, That is such a good thing. Gen Z has numerous reasons for to feel more stressed than previous generations ultimately stress can contribute to psychological concerns as such as anxiety and depression. Below is one of, uh, um, are some of the uh, stressors that may be contributing to increased psychological issues among gen Z the one that they showed me was 75 percent gen Z people that generation respondents this is 300 of you from ages 15 to 17 years old reported feeling stress about mass school shootings in this stress in America Mm. the stress in America survey conducted by uh, Mr. Harris poll on behalf of APA this was done in 2018 so maybe there is something you could teach us Gen Z right we're talking about recovery and family if you guys are more willing to jump out there and deal with your mental health issues right and find some degree of recovery in that you don't have to struggle with that day in and day out because it's being treated and you take that into your relationship right that same mindset there may just be some hope for you yet. Hopefully you bump into or jump into a relationship with someone who feels the same way and is willing to be open and freely speak about their mental health issues and and hopefully their addiction issues, right? Whatever that might be, drugs, alcohol, porn, computer, gamers, gambling, whatever, right? If you take that same mindset into a relationship i think more and more of you become more successful in that relationship in the management of it good for you guys do not hesitate everyone to open up about your mental health issues right we've had it wrong for so long and as i just showed you as generations progress we've gotten better but that last statistic on the gen z is just 37 percent It's not even half. So there's definitely room to grow. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for listening. I hope you got something out of this podcast. Be sure to share it with somebody, right? And again, um, I appreciate you and I'm grateful for my listeners. Um, And until next time, be blessed, everybody.